Welcome to another episode of Fake True Stories, our newest podcast where we look at the true history behind movies that claim to be based in fact. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Isabel Gonzalez. And today we're discussing the inspirational basketball biopic Glory Road, which tells the story of the first all-black starting lineup in college basketball history and the coach who dared to challenge the unfortunate status quo in 1966. Uh, Isabel, this one was your pick. Uh, Why'd you pick Glory Road? Yeah, so very similar to um, A League of Their Own. Nostalgia was part of it. Um, I really like this movie. I hadn't seen it in years, um, but my dad actually went to UTEP, which used to be Texas Western, which is what the school was called when this all happened. Um, And he always talked about this growing up. We watched this movie when it came out in 2006 because my dad was like, oh, like two of those guys were my substitute teachers when I was growing up. And like, you know, he didn't remember this going on because he was only like four um, at the time but it was a big impact for the town um and he just was so excited to see a a movie about his alma mater because like nobody really knows about utep unless you're from el paso (laughs) like nobody knows about the miners go miners um i high key i considered going to school there um but they didn't have wildlife biology which is what i wanted to do and then i picked history and i could have gone anywhere but here i am at texas state eat them up but yeah i think it's a really good film um it's one that i don't think a lot of people have heard of at least like nowadays because you know it came out in 2006 but i don't think it really kept its um its luster as it kept going if that makes sense i see rotten tomatoes gave it a pretty low score but you know that that's like stuffy old people's opinions this is all about the audience rating and i rate this movie pretty highly that's that's nice yeah um sports dramas tend to be pretty formulaic that was the big problem a lot of critics had with this was like we know what's going to happen and yeah, of course we do. But you know what? It's about getting there. Films are about how we get there, not necessarily the way we end up. And I think this one does a good job telling this story that you know might not be that important to some people, but to other people. Like I know my buddy Austin, huge basketball guy, knows this story. He knew who Adolf Rupp was. He knew like all about this. And he was excited that we're going to talk about this. So, you know, basketball is life to a lot of people. And this is a pretty significant story in college basketball history. So a uh, good pick. Yeah. I actually ended up watching like a lot of the game on YouTube because you can find it and you can actually watch it. Cause I was trying to see if they actually only played all the black players in like the final game, or if that was just the movie trying to like make a political statement. No, they did. Like that's definitely what happened. But I was like, I'm gonna watch, and I was like clicking through every single couple of seconds to like see if anybody came on the on the you know the court that wasn't one of the black kids. Um, I couldn't really tell because it was in black and white, and everybody had like weird skin pigments going on in the '60s, and it wasn't you know like it's 1960s quality sports. Um, footage so it's not you know like the cool cameras we have now where you can see like people sweating and stuff it's like from the very top of the stadium i'm like i don't even know what number that is like i'm just gonna trust that that's bobby joe hill i can't tell like "Mm, cool (laughs) i i didn't quite go that far i didn't watch the game i just i i took the film and thought at the very least they got the numbers right they did they got the numbers right 
I, I trusted the film to do that. So good. No, I even, I went as far as to see if uh, I can't help myself. The song that they sing in the bar in Juarez was actually released at that time. Cause like, I'm very, I'm critical of that stuff. I went to go see the lost colony in North Carolina, which I think I've talked about in this podcast before. And they sang some songs that had not come out in the 1500s. And I no, I knew that immediately. I was like, in the in the bleak midwinter didn't come out during this time this is an 1800s song like what kind of bull bull crap is this um yeah if you're gonna ask me to be historically critical about something i'm a i'm probably go and deep dive some things that's fantastic i'm glad you're here (laughs) uh thumbs up Glory Road is based largely on Don Haskins' 2005 autobiography, Glory Road, my story of the 1966 NCAA basketball championship. Now, one team triumphed against the odds and changed America forever. I would have workshopped that title. That's a mouthful. Uh, the like book the was developed. Movie. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Birds of Prey. I, I don't even remember the rest of it. I just call it Birds of Prey because yeah, I refuse just... to acknowledge the rest of that shit. Exactly. It's just birds of prey. That's it. <laughs> I don't like long titles. I don't like long no. titles and I don't like goofy titles. Like too fast, too furious still pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> was that, uh, I assume for the second fast and furious or were they making you do math? And that was for the fourth fast and furious movie. Here's, here's the full fast and furious title lineup. Cause it's ridiculous. Number one, the fast and the furious. Number two, Too Fast, Too Furious. Number three, The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Number four, Fast and Furious. They just took the thes out. Five, Fast Five. Six, Fast and Furious Six. Seven, Furious Seven. Eight, The Fate of the Furious. Nine, F9, The Fast Saga. And lest we forget, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Nice. What a fucking disaster. I feel like the Furious Seven was the name of the villain league in the Minions Rise of Gru. I don't think that's right, but that's what that sounds like. So <laughs> I'm going to say it's a crappy, that. that's a crappy title name. It was a cute movie. I saw it when I was in North Carolina. It was better than The Lost Colony. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we got there, but I clearly I've been holding on to that for a long time. <laughs> um, the book, Glory Road, and all the you know subtitle was developed alongside the movie and its release was time to uh, stoke interest for the upcoming film. So the movie and the book were kind of written at the same time, which is odd. That doesn't usually happen. Didn't work either. Like the movie didn't do that great. You know, they tried, they did. Um, And I think it was also, they, they released it prior to their induction to the hall of fame too. So I don't know if like, I I assume they knew it was going to happen around that time. Cause that's too big of a coincidence where it's like the year before they release a book in a movie about it and they're like, Oh, Hey, by the way, like it's in the, the hall of fame now. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, no way in hell. That definitely yeah. was all yeah. working together. And the result was kind of a modest hit that Disney plus is like the only way a lot of people are finding, like rediscovering this movie, which is nice. But at the time, yeah, the film was directed by James Gartner. And this is the only film he ever directed. Wow. Yeah. So it was this and then nothing. I don't, I couldn't find what happened to him. Good He's not him. dead. You know, he, he probably just was like, I'm good. And just stop. He was like, I did it. I did one thing and now I'm done. Typically what happens in Hollywood, especially with these major studios, 
if you're a novice director and you're given a property that they have a lot of faith in that they expect to be a big hit and then it's not novice young director takes the blame and his career is gone oh well i think he did a good job so yeah me too it's you know he movie works what more can you hope yeah well, you know, it helped that I hadn't seen it in years because I think the last time I saw it, I was a kid. So I still wasn't getting like some of the adult jokes that were like thrown in the movie or more like culturally significant jokes. Um, and as a Hispanic, just some of the stuff they were saying was like, is <laughs> good. I really, I appreciate the humor in that movie. I thought it was weird that it was PG, but they were throwing the N-word around all the time. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's not like, I don't know. Like, do you think if it was like a modern movie, like if it was like set in the modern times and they were throwing the N word around, it would have been PG 13. And it was because of like, Oh, it was set. It's like a historical thing. If that makes sense. Because I swear, like when we were in elementary school during like black history month or whatever, they would show us stuff and they'd be using the N word, but it would be historical context. It wouldn't be like, Oh, here's like a modern rapper or like a modern, like racist protest going on. It was, you know, it would be like, oh, this is footage from the 1960s, so it's historical. Therefore, you're allowed to watch it. Well, I think if if it was a documentary, yes. But That's this, fair. at the end of the day, is intended to be, you know, like edutainment at best. Yeah. So I think that. I don't know. I, I guess that's how, that's probably how they argued it. Like, you know, we need to have that word in here for the historical accuracy. But just make the movie PG-13 because I, I think it's weird that you've got that, but then you also got people saying like, well, that ticks me off and things like that. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. They're like, here's like the really, well, maybe it was trying to make that word even more like, I don't want to say powerful because that makes it sound like it's a good thing, but you know, effective. like it's more, it, yeah, it's more effective when like nobody else is using, you know, like, like inappropriate language but the only one that you hear are like the racial slurs so those really stand out it doesn't get muddled and you know like the coach being a typical coach and yelling at the players and whatnot that Maybe. could be it that could be it but i think it also you know cutting the rest of the bad language kind of makes the historical accuracy suffer because there is no basketball coach in history who isn't swearing at his at his people Oh yeah, no. Um, when I was student teaching, uh, I was under the the I guess like direction of a coach in high school, and he would cuss at the kids. And they're in high school. It was like fourteen year olds, and he'd be cussing at them, and I'd be sitting there like doing my review for the week. Like, oh, cool, awesome. It was. I hated when they came into that classroom. It smelled so bad. I'm like, please leave. Go back to the locker room. <laughs> I'm trying to draw on the board so my kids aren't gonna fail my class. <laughs> but you know, this is Disney. They there's rarely been a PG-13 Disney. There's never been an R-rated Disney. That's lame. They should change that. Let's well, get they, a mouse what? pornography. Well, that that exists, unfortunately. Rule 34, you're right. Yeah, but was it Disney that made it? No. Exactly. See? <laughs> they officially did it. They got to get in that Pornhub game. I guess it'd be more than R. That'd be rated like X or NC-17 or whatever. Um, still. They could. I mean, think about how many people like fap to the princesses. Just saying. Yeah, they could do that. I don't, I think that the thing about Disney, it's all about the brand. It's all about, you know, kids imagination. Like 
they they won't even like I don't think the I can't prove this, but I'm pretty sure that like swearing at Disney World is like frowned upon. I know that sure if, you work, if you work there, you, you're not allowed to. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like that, even at Six Flags, like they didn't want us to, even though we did. Um, you're not supposed to. But, you know, you say kids imagination. Where do you think you learn to fap to the Disney princesses? Just saying. I... Throw that out there. If Disney won't green light like R-rated superhero movies, they sure as hell aren't getting into the porn game. <laughs> Maybe one day we're falling apart as a society. Um, our 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 good Christian values are going by the wayside, and I think Disney's going to fall to the evils of pornography, the sins of the flesh. Oh my God! Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, man. I know that's been a thing. Just saying. <laughs> it could be like that couch meme. See. I did not expect to talk about this today. Uh, <laughs> this is why you brought me on the show, because I have random thoughts like this, and I'm allowed to express them so people can hear me say them. You're welcome. I hope y'all are having a wonderful day thinking about fapping to princesses. I hope you turn this on thinking like, I remember Glory Road. I haven't thought about this basketball movie in a long time. I'm going <laughs> to listen to this at full volume in the office, and it'll be fun. <laughs> And I hope that HR is going to have a meeting with you on the, over the next couple of days. You're welcome. <laughs> Speaking of losing childlike innocence, I had a moment a couple of days ago where I was like, oh, that's the last bit of childlike innocence I had left. I was, I was pouring a bowl of Lucky Charms. Nice. And I had the instinct, I had an instinctual thought of, oh man, I wish there was more cereal in here than marshmallows. <gasps> And as soon as I thought that, I'm like, okay, I'm officially a grown up. There's no Why more. Why would you say that? There's no more imagination left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all have moments like that. Mine was realizing before air fryers were cool, this was like years ago, there was a commercial for an actual like oven that you put like in your wall or whatever. And it was like, it has an air frying option and a self-cleaning option and a broiler pan at the bottom. And I was like, wow, that's a really good bargain. I kind of want that for Christmas, even though I don't have a house. <laughs> and I don't think I ever would have thought that. 10 years ago. So, <laughs> you know, it's all right. I'd be like that. <sighs> Cereal, broilers, and mouse porn. This is an interesting episode. And basketball. And yeah. basketball. In the, in the dawn of the civil rights movement. Uh, I only want to spotlight two cast members here because a lot of the actors in this movie were either, you know, one-off unknowns who were in the movie or athletes who went on to do other stuff uh so josh lucas he plays don haskins the coach of the texas western miners uh lucas can currently be seen in the popular western series yellowstone and he was also in ford versus ferrari sweet home alabama the forever purge session nine hulk and american psycho just to name a few who is he in american psycho he's one of bateman's like yuppie asshole friends who's like I don't you know, know exactly who it is i yeah. know exactly who it is <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> okay i'm sorry keep going no yeah um <laughs> he's a character actor who's been around for a while does a lot of stuff uh i remember him in the 2003 hulk movie he was uh glenn talbot the like government asshole who was 
trying to steal Bruce Banner's girl, but nice. ended up getting like a Hulk punch, which hurt quite a lot. Uh, then he was in this horror movie called Session Nine, which was like a bunch of people, a construction crews like taking apart in a haunted asylum and stuff starts happening and it might be like asbestos in the wall driving them crazy or it might be an actual ghost. We're not really sure. Uh, I didn't think it was a great movie and uh, I posted that it wasn't a great movie on either Twitter or Instagram and Josh Lucas himself liked my review. Nice. was interesting because I was not kind to him. (laughs) Ah, hey, but I mean, that's cool. Maybe that probably means he didn't listen to it or he's like very accepting of criticism or he agreed with you. and was like, yeah, that was a crappy movie. Like not my best work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, he plays young Kevin Costner, I think, on uh, on Yellowstone, which is exploded. Everyone I know is watching Yellowstone. I've never seen it. Okay, not everyone I know, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> suck at everybody else. I'm different. I have Peacock too, but I have it for WWE. <laughs> Currently watching Cheers on Peacock. So nice. They a lot of like NBC's sitcom lineup is on Peacock, which I appreciate. Uh. Yeah, so Luke, I think he's good in this. He has this, you know, kind of equal parts frustration and hope thing going on that sells it. I mean, Haskins, pulling this off required a lot of faith and a lot of self-respect that a lot of people at that time would not even think about mm-hmm. trying. And, um, you know, thankfully, regrettably, you know, a lot of times the advancements of certain minorities require just one white guy having an idea. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're at a time when like you can't really do anything on your own because society doesn't let you. Unfortunately, you do have to rely off of the group that society is allowing to do stuff. Um, And I'll talk about that a little bit later um, because I have the DVD of it that shows, you know, like how long I've had this. Um, And I watched like the 22 minute long, like actual interviews with the actual people. And they talked about some of the experiences they had. Um, And it's kind of sad. Like it was, it was really sad to hear some of these things that they said. but I'll, I'll get into that later. Yeah. Awesome. The other guy I want to bring up is John Voigt, Academy Award winner, John Voigt, who plays Adolf Rupp, coach of the Kentucky Wildcats, and our token racist bad guy. There's always one guy. In this case, there were almost two. I thought it was going to be the donor guy who's like, I will not have black people at my school. But then he's like, but we're winning. So just forget I said that. <laughs> he said, hey, we're making money. That's cool. I'm like 80% sure that was Jack Nicholson's like goon friend from Batman. Oh, Bob. I think it was Bob. Oh, that'd be cool if it was. Looked I like liked Bob. how he wasn't going to be in the movie unless Bob was going to be in it. And then he killed Bob. <laughs> like, no, I need a minute alone, boys. Bob <laughs> gun. <laughs> like, no, not Bob. Speaking of WWE for a long time, they were quoting that you are my number one guy thing. And I lost my marbles. I loved it. I lived for it. The first time I heard it, I called my brother into the room and started screaming at him. I was like, look at what they're doing. That's fantastic. Uh, With the new DC lineup announced recently and uh, the Flash movie still a go for June, we are going to see Michael Keaton return as Batman this year, which is fantastic. That's beautiful. He's the best one. I don't even give a shit about the Flash. I want to see that. Yeah, yeah. 
I love Michael Keaton as Batman. I'm sorry. Everybody has their opinions. Uh, and this is not including voice actors because people are like Kevin Conroy. Of course, Kevin Conroy is like the Batman. Rest in peace. But like live action, mm, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton all the way. And honestly, I'd put Val Kimmer up there. Um, but that's, you know, hot take. We could talk about that in like other, you know, you want to bring me on other podcasts to do hot takes on movies that I don't know jack about, but I have strong opinions of. I'll come and I'll be a wild card. I'll piss all your guys off who are like really analytical things. I'll just be like, ah, here's my opinion. Speaking of, okay, back to Glory Road, but not necessarily about Glory Road. <laughs> um, the DVD, right? So previews, and you had like, you know, the the traditional like coming soon to own on DVD and video yeah. or whatever. Um, one of them was for a movie that was upcoming in 2006. And I was like, what movie is this? Is Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, one of the best movies of all time. Y'all have not done Pirates of the Caribbean on any of your podcasts. I'm highly offended by that. So the next time you choose to do an Oscar Sunday or, I mean, God forbid, you're going to put one of them on, you know, Beyond the Bad, which, I, you know, you should put five and six on there. Um let you grow on there. I'll go bananas talking about how much the first three are the best things ever in movie history. Uh, those are on my tens, which should be on your website. Also, by the way, I deserve to have some tens, even though I don't have the same opinions of y'all. Pirates of the Caribbean one through three, right there. Put them on. A. If you want tens, you got to review some shit. <laughs> <laughs> and B, you're not going to believe this, but Curse of the Black Pearl is next week's Oscar Sunday episode. <laughs> I have to be on that. <laughs> you can't do it without me. That's illegal. I Austin I would love to meet you, so I have no problem with that happening. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. That was kind of Glory Road related. I just I had a note on my notes about this too that I had to bring this up on the podcast. That's insane timing. I love that. Because Pirates of the Caribbean are the best movies ever. I will always love them. That was like a happy meal I remember getting in New York City. I was looking up at a billboard of Dead Man's Chest. And I got my happy meal. And a little chest was in there. And a key and a notebook and a compass. And it was the best thing in the world. And I saw the movie. I don't even. I think I was only like, what, it came out in 2006. So I was like seven. when it came, I was a first grader. That is the best. I love it. Mm-mm. I will, I will go down with those movies. I will go down with the ship like Jack did with the Kraken, and it's great. Yeah, the first three Pirates movies are fucking gold. Nom, 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 nom. I love I those movies. Up. We don't talk about the fifth and sixth one. Nah. Four and five. There's never been, there hasn't been a sixth yet. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Oops. <laughs> Four and five. <laughs> but, um, I want to make sure they were separated from the first three. That's why. Yeah. Oh, that's great. A while back, I um, you've seen my Funko Pop collection. You know I have a very serious problem. Yes. And uh, <laughs> my my grandpa asked me like, "What do you like?" He wanted to get me a pop. And, like my family has no fucking clue what to get me because I've got hundreds of these things, and so they'll just say like, "What do you lo- like? What do you like?" And I'll, I guess at the time I was like, "Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean's awesome," and I'd forgotten about it. And like a month later, it was like I think it was Christmas. He gave he gave me a Jack Sparrow and a Davy Jones that he like hunted down. Good answer. Good and now answer. they're like pride of my collection. I fucking love Davy Jones. He's one of my I favorite will... villains of all time. Oh yeah. No, I will, you know, if you have me out on Sunday, y'all be prepared. It's gonna be like a five hour long episode. I'm gonna talk forever about it. Anyway, back to Glory Road. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, John Voigt, I think is where we were. Um uh, 
he won his Oscar for Coming Home, which is an incredible movie about soldiers returning from Vietnam and dealing with psychological and physical struggles. Uh, fantastic movie. Very well-deserved Oscar. He was also nominated for Midnight Cowboy, Runaway Train, and Ali. All three also really good movies. And he does a great job just playing a despicable, mean guy who's not just a racist, but also just an arrogant prick. Yeah, I think at some point in the movie, he's like, I want to make money. And that's why he wants them to win. Like, I think he says something like that. Um, like during yeah. the championship, he like he tells them we need we need the money or something like, which is kind of sad because from stuff that I read, he wasn't like that. Um, but you know, you gotta have a villain in this movie. You can't just make the villain like the man, like you know, Disney considers like the hunter, the villain in Bambi. Like, is is he really though? Like. He's just doing what hunters do. The white people were doing what white people do in the 1960s, which is being racist assholes. Like, I know the scene you're talking about, and I did. Th I thought this. I thought the same thing you're thinking. I watched the movie with subtitles, and it cleared this up. Uh, uh, he said, "Like, um, he said um, that was ice falling off my house." Uh, he said, "Like, I said you boys were gonna win. You boys were gonna bring it home." So go out there and make me a prophet, as in like a prophet of the Lord. Oh, that's, that's what he said. Yeah, he's like, prove me prophet, right. Like, okay, okay, yeah, because yeah, that is what it was. I heard prophet, and I was like, huh? Like, oh, okay, no, okay, yeah. Subtitles do clear things up like that. See, English spelling was it with a ph or with an f? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a ph. Mm. So uh, either either way, weird thing to say to your basketball team. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's kind of like a motivational thing. He's trying to be poetic. I mean, be a prophet. I don't. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Well, it was more like you know, like make me the hero of this story. Like it wasn't about like you know win the game. It was like win the game because I said win the game. Well, yeah. I mean, he's gonna get a bunch of money if they win the game. Why do you think they want to win games? Like it's not just it's not just for a trophy. Like they get. They get that pay raise. They get like, you know, I'm gonna be guaranteed to be a coach here at this big school. Yeah. Make me a profit. <laughs> the coaches get that money. The players yeah, the kids are don't get that. Constantly consistently exploited through the entire history of college basketball, college sports entirely. Yeah, there's and a South Park episode about that. I remember, yeah. <laughs> crack maybe basketball. Oh, that and then also student athletes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love South Park. But uh, yeah, that that that's been a controversy forever. I remember uh, they did like a college college football video game or something, and none of the players got anything out of that, even though their like avatars are in the game. <sighs> Man, <laughs> yeah, that's sad. Yeah, but in the sixties, they didn't have video games; they just had exploitation of all different sorts. They had, they had pinball. That's cool. <laughs> it's not a video game, but still cool. <laughs> well. When in doubt, when you need a old white racist character, call John Voight. Nice. He just he he looks like he'd be angry at some minorities. <laughs> that must I'm, suck to be like typecast as those characters. Like, oh, like you happen to have a really good German accent, you're always gonna be a Nazi. Like <laughs> 
yeah, however, he's going to be a clan leader. Like, ah, the shit John Voight says in his personal life does reinforce my statement. Oh, okay. Again, yeah, I, this is why I've been brought onto this podcast is because your girl doesn't know crap about movies or actors. I just have very strong opinions on some movies. But if you're like, Isabel, tell me everything you know about this director. Like, Ooh, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. Oof. The whole, the point you made about, you know, typecast actors, there's one cool story I love. Till Schweiger, the guy who played uh, Hugo Stieglitz in Inglorious Bastards. Yes. Insisted his entire career he would never play a Nazi. He would never do it. However, he said he'd do it in Glorious Bastards because he got to kill Nazis. It's like, I'll put on the uniform if I get to stab them in the face. <laughs> That's such a good movie. Oh, I great. wish it was a real story so we could talk about it. I know. That's just another Oscar Sunday you'll have to be on. Uh, so Glory Road grossed about 42 million bucks on a budget of 30 million. So not huge, kind of underwhelming. Uh, it has an IMDb score of 7.2 letterbox score of 3.3 out of five and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 55%. Critics consensus reads as formulaic as sports movies get this underdog story still triumphs on the strength of its inspiring story, which is kind of what we've been saying. It's a great story, but you know, formulaic like if you've seen any sports drama you know how this is going to unfold but that doesn't make it any less inspiring yeah um so there was some controversy upon the film's release uh first off apparently adolf rupp despite having the unfortunate name of adolf in the 1960s i was like oh god um was not as much of a racist in real history as the movie makes him seem uh a lot of his family and co-workers and students were like what the hell why did you make him the bad guy uh fair enough you know artistic license can only carry you so far before you start pissing people off yeah um he actually from what i read was the coach to end segregation of sports at kentucky he brought on the first black player on his team. So, and like, again, you know, like it's, you know, changing times. That doesn't necessarily mean the man didn't do things, you know, that were bad, but like, you know, you're, and I think they even bring that up at the end of the movie. Yeah. I, if I'm not even, yeah. So, you know, he did that. Um, and then, like you said, like people came out and were like, Hey man, like that, you went a little too hard there. Um, I don't know if you saw the other controversy with the movie, with AM Commerce. Yeah, we're I'm about to talk about that right now. All right, sick. <laughs> uh so in the game between East Texas State University, now known as AM Commerce and Texas Western, uh fans from East Texas State are throw are shown just throwing popcorn and drinks and yelling racial shit at the players, just being horrible, horrible people. And uh AM Commerce didn't like that. They were like, why did you just show us as complete shitheads in this movie and so they demanded an apology for from disney and disney didn't apologize they were like basically like we're sorry you feel that way which is mm -hmm. you know i hate that when people do that shit but yeah. disney doesn't apologize for shit ever <laughs> you can't screw with the house and house who are you <laughs> yeah they don't they don't give a crap 
Uh, they just said we regret any misunderstanding this might have caused, but they were like, it's not a documentary, and sometimes it's necessary to consolidate events in order to convey the life and times of the story in a roughly two-hour period. So, like, that's kind of on you. Um, which is wild, because now part of me thinks, because during, like, the, the like actual interviews with the players, they said they did have problems with West Texas State University. So I'm like, do you think they got that wrong? Like, do you think that's what happened? They're like, was it East or West? Like, ah, I just say it's East. Like, that makes that's closer to the South anyway. Like, that makes sense. That's closer to Alabama. And then, oops, like you just made AM Commerce, which is a really good music school, look like crap. Um, but it was actually West Texas State that did a lot of that, apparently. Um, I can't remember who said it, but one of the players said that there, um, the like the sideline. Oh, it was Harry. Harry Lenore was um mentioning how the sidelines were so narrow that like some of the like students were trying to trip up the players and would spit on them and throw stuff at them um, and you know yelling every racial slur every derogatory name you can think of in the book um so that did happen it just it wasn't at east texas it was at west texas I, you know what it would not be it would not surprise me if there was like a typo and nobody checked that out because that's said, how movies oh. work like, do you ever hear? Did I ever tell you about the the James Bond film Tomorrow Never Dies and, wh- and how that went down? No. So the title of that movie was supposed to be Tomorrow Never Lies, but uh, a script was sent in to produ- to the uh, studio to approve, and uh, that script had a typo. Tomorrow Never Dies, and the studio was like, "We love it. That's the new Bond movie." And the writer had to be like, "Wait a minute. No, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. Because." Yeah, Tomorrow Never Lies makes sense in context of the movie. Tomorrow Never Dies doesn't make any goddamn sense. But you know what? That's the movie now. Yeah, if the you know if somebody just approves shit in Hollywood without anybody checking it out, that's just that's gospel now. This is what we're working with. So yeah, <laughs> I feel like you know giving the benefit of the doubt, they weren't just being bad in research. I feel like it was a mistake on like the the typing and because I mean I could see why you would confuse that again. Like my reasoning initially was stupid, but like East is closer to alabama and louisiana and the deep south than west um so you would think i don't know like it's kind of it is kind of dumb reasoning but benefit of the doubt maybe that's why that happened but yeah AM commerce wasn't too happy about that yeah i'd be pissed if you know i went to that school and all of a sudden it's like oh no disney thinks we're racists yeah or like you know if you have people i'm not gonna go to that school because in 1964 six they were you know doing all this stuff like do you know like every school in the south in 1966 was basically doing stuff like that so maybe you just that's your philosophy just like don't go to schools in the south like a large chunk of american history is built on quite a lot of human suffering and it's in i think it's you know uh insincere to not address that shit yeah if people are good at anything it's at being jerks to one another yeah that's like, yeah. that's, you know, throughout all of human history, having one group be complete jerks to another group, that's legit. Like that, everybody's done that at some point and it sucks, but people are not perfect at all. Nah, <laughs> the meaning of life when... appears to be fuck you for the most of mankind. I mean, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember who I was talking about this with the other day. I think it was my, my buddy Kendall, um, but we were talking about just like life can be crazy and it's like, yeah, it sucks, but like you might get to have like a dog and get married and like eat really good food sometimes. So is it all that bad? I don't know. I think, you know, individuals lives can be great, but 
people as a whole are just impossible to deal with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was it was no better in the 60s. It was way worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is interesting, though. The events of, you know, Texas A&M Commerce Gate. Um, the president of the, of the university was like, we are pretty sure Disney did this on purpose. And the scene prompted the Texas State Senate to consider a bill which would allow financial assistance from the state to be withheld for films that portray the state negatively. So, like, Ooh. if you want to film in <laughs> Texas, you are not allowed to show Texas in a negative light or you're not getting funding from the state. Yeah, that's about something Texas would do. I love our state, but we're very prideful in that stuff. And, like, you got you to gotta be able to admit that there are bad parts of our history, just like every state and every country and every ethnic group out there and every whatever. There's bad parts to everybody's history and trying to be like, you can't say that about us. Like, that's stupid. Like, I was a prick as a child. And me trying to be like, no, you can't talk about that. Like that would that would negate some of the bad aspects of my life. But you work to be better. You work to be better than your past self. And that's yeah, it's yeah. that's that does not surprise me at all. I remember we talked about that. Yeah. Like, you know, character growth is essential. Like if you don't have growth, if you're the same person you were when you were 12. You're probably a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Uh-uh. Oh, I'd be a, I'd be a mess. Yeah. Like, here's a hot take about Texas. Did you know the Texas Rangers were actually psychopaths? Yeah. yeah. It, they're not here. Yeah, we had to read a whole book about that. <laughs> yeah. It ain't Wyatt Earp. It's basically like, you know, Bundy and Dahmer on a horse. <laughs> like a bunch of fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, it was the anti-Mexican brigade. Yeah. So. But again, that. you know, you can't like, and the, you know, I'm sure this is something that people can get angry at in the comments, but whatever. I don't give a crap. Um, that's like, you know, something like that happens bad in the past, but you can't judge modern day people from that standard because the people that were alive back then don't exist today. Like they're not alive today. We just have to learn from our mistakes and not be assholes to one another. Like, don't assume someone's going to be an asshole to you because of the color of their skin or their job or whatever. If they are an asshole, then that's, yeah, then, yeah, you can be a jerk back to them. But, like, don't just assume things because that makes an ass out of you and me. The more you know. <laughs> yeah. And I also know that if they ever make a movie about the Texas Rangers that portrays them accurately, they're shooting that thing in New Mexico. Yeah, they're not going to shoot it here. <laughs> And I'm sure it's going to be one of those banned movies. And be like, no, you can't watch it. No. <laughs> uh, well, with that, let's go into the film a bit. Talk about some scenes from the movie and uh, talk about whether or not they might have happened. Uh, well, the scene where uh, they call, I think, his name, I think it was Harry, uh, they call his mother because his grades <laughs> are slipping and mom just sits in class with him and makes sure he's doing things right. Like, did that happen? I, I I didn't look it up. I probably should have. I hope it did. I hope it did. I feel like that's something that is way too specific for it not to have happened, yeah. but I don't know. But I always think about that scene all the time. My son, Harry can. Like, Harry, like, tell him, mama. <laughs> tell him. Like, <laughs> I'd be pissed, too, if my kid got a full ride to college and was playing basketball especially as like a group that wasn't able to do that stuff and you're failing like mm -mm. nope that gonna happen yeah yeah i agree it's seems too like seems too good to be true but it also like it could have happened 
And I hope it did happen. I hope like it wasn't in the script until one of the people who was like, who was in this, who, like who actually did it and was advising the production was like, Hey, I got a cool story for you. We should add this into the movie. And that's what happened. I bet that's what happened. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> their first game, I think it was their first home game when they're playing. Uh, and we hear the band, the band sucked. I remember thinking like, Oh man, it's not just basketball that this school has problems with. Like they need to uproot the band, get some musicians up in here. Oh my God, you're playing music at the college level. You should be good at it. Yeah. But not all colleges have good bands. Like, it's just like not all high schools do, you know, you have some high schools that are doing like drum course style marching. And then you have others that have like plastic sousaphones and can barely afford, you know, money. Cause just the, the district doesn't care about fine arts. Um, fine arts doesn't make you money like sports do. And, yeah, El Paso. I mean, El Paso, like, it's a big town, but it's really, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, like, it's, I'm trying to think of the closest city to it. I think it's Albuquerque. I could be wrong. I don't think that's right. I can't remember where, New Mexico State, like, that's one of the closest, like, big schools, and I don't remember where that's at. Um, I should know, because family's from there. But, like, you know, like, it's a big town that doesn't have a lot around it. And, like, you know, in the, in the movie when the guys are coming from New York and they're like, we're on the moon. Yeah. If you've never been to East or sorry, not East West Texas. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty desolate. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, don't drink the water. It doesn't taste very good, but you know, it's, <laughs> I don't blame the, I, it makes sense. They didn't have a good um, program for music or basketball at the time, which speaking of, this is one major historical flaw, which I'm sure you're going to bring up, but I'm going to steal it from you. I apologize. Um this the biggest I think flaw with this movie is it portrays Haskins as coming in and within his first year no. they win the NCAA championship mm -hmm. and that is not what happened. Homie got there in 1961 and then they got the championship in the 65-66 season and some of these players had already been playing for him so it wasn't like oh hello nice to meet you Connor like we're gonna play basketball and we won like what's up no like they had already built rapport with one another they had already become friends um you know they had already gotten to know each other and practiced becoming a you know a good concise team it didn't just like poof magic but you know like they said in their statement to AM commerce we can only do so much in a two-hour time frame so we're not gonna show four years of history we're just gonna show you the one it's not a documentary see it's interesting because for last week's Oscar Sunday, I watched a movie called The Theory of Everything. That's one with Stephen Hawking, right? Yep. It's Stephen Hawking's life story. It is 30 plus years of Stephen Hawking's life that they fit into two hours. So it can be done. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't buy that. I, to me, it's like it's not cinematic if you know an established coach is like, I'm going to win this one now. Not, no, it's got to be the new coach who's unsure of himself, who's been coaching women's high school basketball. And everyone's like, I don't think, I don't think you can do this. He's like, well, I'm going to summon, I'm going to make a team of black players. And they're like, the hell you are. And then he goes across the country. He's like, I want you. I want you. I want you. And then he makes a team and it's like, all right, now we got a movie. <laughs> That's cinematic. That it's is. not what happened, but it's cinematic. It is cinematic. I mean, and that's what happens with all of the other movies we've talked about so far. They do things for, term, or for the sake of being a good 
movie. Nobody wants to watch the actual story of, you know, like Pocahontas. Nobody wants to see that. They want to see like the dramatic, even though that one was like way too dramatic, you know, but still you, you want to watch drama. You want to be like, whoa, like this crazy. He, he got all these players from like, no, they were just playing basketball in the street and they somehow found them. Like, like and we're gonna we convince them to come to texas in a day there we go perfect like they weren't doing anything might as well come to texas on this bus with this group you've never heard of before like, it sounds like a trap doesn't it it does yeah come to texas which they even said i'm gonna get lynched i think harry said that when like don came over and was talking to his mom so like Texas is not known to be friendly to minorities. Um, and they're just, yeah, let's just get on the bus. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a little bit of a Disneyfication of American racism. I mean, I you know, I can't speak for the African American experience in America, but if I was a black kid in the 60s and a white dude came up to me and said, Hey, come to Texas and play basketball with me, I don't know if I'd do that. No, probably not. No, no, it's it sounds no way. <laughs> There's no it way would that's true. Like it would have to be kind of similar to what happened with like the little bit they showed with Harry and his mom, where you meet the coach, you talk to him, your parents get an opinion. Like okay, because it wasn't unheard of. Also, that's one thing you know that's important to keep in mind with this movie. This wasn't like the first team ever to have black players. There had already been black players in college basketball, and there had already been black players in NCAA tournaments and championship games. The thing that was unique about this team was that it was a team in the South or the Southwest, and this is the first time an all-black starting lineup played in the NCAA championship. It wasn't like, oh, we've never seen black people before. Like, no, they had in basketball and in, you know, in the NCAA championship. This is just the first time it was a starting lineup, um, which is significant. And then again, the fact it was in the South, um, both in history and in the movie, they even mention that the Southwestern Conference, which is Texas and Oklahoma, didn't have any black players or really have any. Like there might have been a few, but there wasn't really any. Um, or I guess they didn't have any. Yeah, there was no black players in the Southwestern Conference, Southeastern Conference, which today has teams such as Auburn, Alabama, AM, Old Miss, University of Kentucky, or the Atlantic Coast Conference, which has like Clemson, Notre Dame, and Duke. So like none of those had black players in it. So that was a significant thing with UTEP. But then again, keep in mind UTEP is like oop, like tiny school. You know, it wasn't it wasn't nationally significant at that time like it is today either. Um that's another important thing to note. Like, I think during the scene when they're actually at the championship game, the announcer's like, this is a moment in history. This is the first time, you know, an all-black starting lineup has been here. They didn't say that. They didn't think it was a moment of history. They were just like, all right, cool. Anyway, back to the game. Like, yeah. basketball. Never in real life do people stop and think, this is a moment in history. Like, that doesn't happen. Mm. It's after the fact, for the most part, where they're like, I, think that, I think that meant something. <laughs> You know, yes, I would also say no, because I definitely knew um, when school shut down for two weeks in spring of 2020 that that was a moment in history. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is going to be a historic moment. But it wasn't it's not the same, I guess, is like, oh, a very small, you know, like, well, oh, this guy gave a speech. This is a moment in history. That's fair. I wouldn't have said that. But <laughs> I'm mostly talking about like people who are involved in the moment. OK, OK. That's like, fair. you know, when. Like, you know, when 9-11 happened, I think we all were like, okay, this is this is gonna change this is gonna change things. But 
if you're involved in, you know, a basketball game and you're like, holy shit, this is the most significant moment of my life. That doesn't usually happen. That's fair. That's fair. And the movie very much does play up the idea that like, these are the first black players to do this. Even though we, throughout the movie, we see r- random, you know, black players on college mm-hmm. teams. They just aren't ever expanded upon. They're benched or yeah. Well, even at this time too, um, one of the, the things that I looked up, um, let me see if I can find it. Like, oh yeah. So like you just said, you know, they were like, oh, we're like the first people to do this at this point in 1965 and 66, the top few players in the NBA were black, like the national basketball association were black. Um, and I'm trying to find who they were. Um, but like this, uh, this isn't trying to, you know, like degrade or, you know, belittle like the, the accomplishment of this. Cause it was really important and significant. However, comma, this wasn't like, oh my gosh, like people of color have never done this ever before up until this very moment. Like, no, they, they had, um, but it's still significant. You know, it is still significant. Um, but just again, at that time, it wasn't something that stood out because again, like NBA, like the most valuable players were black and there were other schools that had black players and, you know. Yeah. The NBA doesn't come up one time in this movie. No. Mm-mm. Probably because that fact right there kind of <laughs> undermines the movie a bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'm kind of, I don't know where the heck, I guess it doesn't really matter. I don't know a lot of sports, but I'm sure there might be some sports people who listen to this and they'll be like, I don't know who she's talking about. Like, good for you. Go to play trivia with me because <laughs> I need help with sports. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, was um do you know do you were you able to find if shed really was attacked in a diner uh no i couldn't find that um but they they did have like a lot of issues like they did um according to was it shed again no who said it one of the players again during the the like bonus features had mentioned that it was really during the season after that they experienced the most hatred. Um, and it wasn't just from white people. It was from black people too. Um, it was Harry again, Harry Flournoy um, said that African-Americans outside of El Paso, like in Indiana, Michigan, Connecticut called them uncle Tom's and mm-hmm. were basically like, Oh, you only did this because you were told to by that white guy. He didn't let you do what you wanted to do. You're a bunch of uncle Tom's. And he said that that made him, feel worse than when people like use racial slurs against him it hurt him more to have people of color call him an uncle tom than for you know like white people to use the slurs against him um which is pretty crazy um another thing again i'm you know like there there's the fact that you know shed was beat up in the diner i was you know thinking about this when i was writing my stuff down yesterday while i don't know for sure if that happened that is not something so outlandish to put in the movie that i would make it like um like, oh, that was, you shouldn't have put that in there. It's not like 300, how you have like wizards and like orcs and stuff walking around. Like that wouldn't have happened in this movie, in this context. Hell yeah, that guy could have gotten beaten up in the diner, you know, in the South. Like that is absolutely a possibility. Did it happen? I don't know. Um, I hope to God it didn't, but I wouldn't be shocked if someone said that it did. Yeah. Um, but but some other things too, aside just from that, um, during the season at the very end when they won the NCAA championship, usually that's supposed to be like a really momentous occasion. Um, 
they a ladder would come out and you could climb up the ladder and like cut down the net and then you guys would go on the Ed Sullivan show and stuff like that. They weren't invited to the Ed Sullivan show. That didn't happen. And they did not have a ladder come out to let them cut down the net. That's why in the movie you see uh, um, Willie get lifted up on, I think it was Shed's shoulders to to get the net down because they didn't get the ladder. So they had to pick up one of their own players to get the net down. And he apparently still has it to this day. I looked that up. Um, he talked about that. He still has it and he didn't cut it because he wanted to preserve it, uh, which is really cute. But yeah, they also had eggs thrown at them at SMU um, and required escorts at a lot of games in the, the season past that. Um, they also received a lot of hate mail. Um, according to, it wasn't Haskins, Eddie Mullins, who was sports information director of Texas Western. Um, they got a bunch of mail that was all like hatred from around the country, north and south, trash bags filled that were basically telling them, you know, your piece of your piece of trash for doing this. Um, Don Haskins said it really destroyed him that he was called an exploiter by people in the community um, when that wasn't what he wanted to do. And this whole time, he's also maintained that he did not pick these boys to make a statement. He picked them because he said they were the best players, which is one thing you could say is inaccurate about the movie, because in the movie, he's constantly talking about like, I'm going to show them that they're wrong about you guys. And, you know, like you guys can do the same thing that they can. Um, but at the same time, David Latin says that he thinks Haskins did do it to prove a point, And he's just being humble and not saying it. So well, in the movie, like at first when Haskins is scouting these kids, he is scouting for talent. Mm -hmm. But then when it becomes an all black starting lineup, then, you know, and they're dealing with the fallout from that. Then he turns it into we got to show these guys what we can do. Yeah. So I think at first he was just scouting for talent. But then because of what he was doing, it turned into a necessity to make this political. Like yeah. he, he, it was unavoidable. Um, I'm sure they're, you know, like you said, you know, the attack in the diner is not something crazy. Like it probably did happen like that. Their hotels, their hotel rooms were vandalized and they were threatened consistently. Uh, the Texas Western versus Kansas game. Holy shit. Did it really go down like that with just constant overtimes and a neck and neck like score? You know, I actually um, don't know, but I don't know why they would flub that yeah. in the movie, you know? But, I mean, there's basketball games that happen like that. Like, that's not unheard of at all in college basketball. Um, I've seen it. Like, it's what happens in a lot of sports. Um, but, actually, I don't know about that. I didn't watch that game. I just watched the championship. <laughs> well, it was still, I mean, I, yeah, I got to find out if, like, that how that really went down because – it was too cinematic. It's like, you know, 72 to 72 and then like, you know, 74 to 74 double overtime. And it's like, ah, and then yeah. the one guy's toes on the line. So he doesn't get the point. So it's a technical win. It's like, Jesus. It's, it's too good. It's almost too good to be true. Yeah. But maybe yeah, they beat them 80, 81 in overtime, double overtime finish. So it did go down like that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it did. Uh, I wonder if. Yep. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I just looked it up. Yeah, every, El Paso Times. That's exactly what happened. Foot out of bounds, leaving the contest tied, setting it into a second overtime period. Um, that's crazy. That is crazy. That's awesome. Um, you, 
did Rupp and Haskins' wives really just run into each other and start talking? I don't think that happened. I'm going to guess no, um, but you got to give um, Zoe Deschanel's sister Bones more screen time. So see we'll do that. I know she Bones was like a 12-season show, but to me, she will always be the person who refused to pay Peter Parker for those pizzas. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just don't like her on principle. I forgot she was in that movie. Uh, and my last kind of observation for the movie is, did Bobby Joe Hill really just fall into Rupp like that? I don't even remember what scene that is. It was towards the end of the movie during the, the, the Kentucky game. Uh, Bobby Joe Hill trips and like he shoots and he falls over like right into Adolph Rupp and on the, on the Kentucky bench. I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe that'd be cool if he did. That that also seems like cool. something that's like just one last jab at our movie bad guy. Cause I, come on, no way. I mean, you never know. I don't know. I, the, the players had a lot of good things to say about him. Cause he passed away in 2002. He was the first of the starting lineup to die. Um, mm-hmm. so he wasn't around when this movie was made, but the, documentary thing like a lot of the players had a lot of good things to say about them uh about him but i was typing my notes because that one it wasn't significant enough for me to listen to sorry bobby joe but i was mainly listening for like their their experiences with racism and post-game stuff so i was like i'm gonna type right here um they might have said something about it that'd be cool if he actually did we love we love moments like that but i don't know fair enough he did end up marrying tina though that's legit. So that girl that he's like courting the whole movie, like that's a legit thing. They got married. I don't know if they met in Juarez, um, but that's another accurate thing is El Paso folks going to Juarez to party. That's a legit thing. I don't think it happens as much anymore for obvious reasons, but like my parents, especially my dad growing up in the town, uh, they'd go over there all the time. And my grandma's like, yeah, me how we used to go over there to go to the doctor and get medicine because it was significantly cheaper. And I think they used to do that. Um, so I love that they go over there and have fun in waters. <laughs> it makes me happy. Yeah, I kept I kept worrying throughout the movie that like, you know, a bunch of black kids hop in the border, something's going to happen. But thankfully, nothing happened. Yeah. Um yeah, I think and this is just me, this is me expressing my opinion. This is not factual whatsoever. Um but I feel they would have been a lot safer in Mexico at this time than really anywhere else. Cause not, it's not like people in Mexico have like a bunch of white people, you know, like being assholes to them. It's not, you know, like people, but like El Paso, for example, is a very, it's a very diverse city. It's on the border. Like it's literally right there. Um, So, you know, they, they were better off being in that town than say if this, this game or this, you know, team had been formed in like Houston. Uh, Well, maybe not even Houston at that time. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like small East Texas town, Austin or something, you know, that's not East Texas, but that's central Texas. Um, El Paso is like a good breeding ground for that. Um, just like San Marcos kind of was in the 1960s. They're a little bit more open to, you know, more diverse people because they were already experiencing that. And of course, you know, Mexico, like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what their, what, if they ever had any sort of, um, issues with like race and class and all that stuff i don't know the whole history behind that in mexico but yeah like i even as a kid i was like oh they're good over there like well i figured that we chill 
I <laughs> I figured they'd be fine in Mexico, but I was more worried about like driving, you know, a bunch of black kids driving oh, at night yes. on the Texas roads, running into the wrong people. That's what I was worried about. I was actually hoping like, you know, once they cross the border, smooth sailing, you know, have fun. Well, and it's not even like it's not like the border is not far from UTEP. Like you can see what is like right there. Like it's not far. Um, but yeah. Um, I love that town. Shout out to El Paso people. I've never, I've never been to Mexico. <sighs> Juarez is really cool. I wish we could go more, but it's not a safe area. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty sad. But El Paso is fun. Um, whenever the team actually got back, um, they were greeted with like parade and a bunch of people were cheering them on. So the town was very happy about their victory, and they drove down Montana, which is like a, a pretty major street there, which happens to have a Chico's Tacos off of it, which is a fantastic restaurant. And no, I'm not saying that because Gabriel Iglesias has a bit about it. I've been eating there since I was like three. My immune system is peak compared to everybody else's because of that. <laughs> That's hilarious. When I was in um when I was in LA, I did get to go to Trejo's Tacos, Danny Trejo's Taco Joint, which was fucking phenomenal. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Did not have a location in Texas. Lame. It's just LA. But uh well done. That was I think about those tacos at least once a week. Nice. Yeah, I loved LA. It's pretty um, tasty. <laughs> so I have a bit here from the uh the Shadow League, which is a sports blog that uh a bit from devin mason it's a true story of glory road and kind of points out some things about the final game against kentucky that i guess we could talk about uh first of all the miners did defeat the kentucky wildcats march 19 1966 72 to 65 adolph rupp was called the baron of bluegrass which raises a whole bunch of other questions it's Kentucky, so. Yeah. <laughs> They're uh, the Appalachians. <laughs> the victory, according to sports writers, analysts, and prognosticators, was a watershed event because it encouraged other predominantly white schools to recruit African-American players, ending years of shameful and evil segregation. Uh, in this movie, there's a lot of inaccuracies. Like you said, Don, Don Haskins was not the rookie coach. It was his fifth year. <laughs> he had led them to two previous tournaments. I love that. It's like he's been there before, but this was the movie. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, yeah, we we covered a lot of this stuff already. Heck yeah, uh, look at us. <laughs> the, oh, here's one. The miners. Uh, they played out. They played in front of sellout crowds in college arenas that held thousands of fans. They didn't have. It wasn't a rinky-dink high school gym with like a yeah. few people in the bleachers. They had to kind of undersell the significance of the of the team. But you know, college basketball has always been, or college sports, are, well, the, you know, the major sports. I don't think like you know, high high is not selling tickets anymore. But uh, <laughs> the big ones, they're in arenas. People, you know, they make money. Colleges make money off this shit. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky was the favorite in that game. Mm -hmm. The team was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. On February 6, 2016, the now University of Texas El Paso Miners 
held a reunion for the 66 players at the Don Haskins Center. Yep. That's great. I think my cousin graduated from there, which is pretty cool. Uh, right on. When asked about his decisions, to, his decision to start five African-American players, Haskins downplayed the significance, saying the best, pay, best players play, and I just wanted to win the game. He was a humble and private man and coach, did his best to avoid the spotlight, and he constantly reiterated skin color was never the issue when he put his minors on the floor with the highly favored Wildcats. All right. When he assembled the team, I believe he was not focusing on skin color, but playing the black players in the final game, 100%, he was making that statement. I refuse to believe otherwise. That's what Latin says. Yeah. Come on. It's too easy. It's too obvious. Yeah. Anything else you got? Um, I just have like, there's a couple things of like, where are they now that I thought was kind of cool. Um, yeah. I think I, I couldn't find out about a lot of them, but from my like, just quick search, I believe at least eight of them are still alive. Um, Willie Worsley, I don't know what he's doing now, but he actually went on to help underprivileged kids um, back in his hometown, which is pretty cool. Willie Cager works for Isleta ISD, which is in El Paso, and is an after-school basketball program coordinator. Um, Neville Shedd works as the assistant, worked as the assistant coach for Haskins for a bit and currently is the director of the San Antonio Spurs summer training camp, which is pretty cool. He's in the <laughs> area. Um, and then David Latin went on to be an NBA draft. Uh, he was the 10th pick overall, which is like really good. Um, and he actually started off at Tennessee State, went to Houston, and then came to Texas Western. So like in the movie when they're like, oh, you got David Latin, come here. That was a pretty big deal. That was, you know, that, that was pretty significant. Um, I don't know what's going on with Louis uh, Baduan. I can't say his last name. I apologize, sir. Uh, Dick Myers or Togo Rayleigh. Um, Dave Palacchio, I think, is also still alive. Um, but I think it's pretty cool that a lot of them are still, you know, they're still around. They're still talking about what they did. Uh, my dad remembers having, I think, Willie Cager as one of his substitute teachers growing up. So, like, they, they, they went on to make a difference in their community, which is really cool. Um, and then just the fact that freaking <laughs> um, Neville Shade is working for the San Antonio Spurs. Like, he's right really close to where we're at. That's pretty cool. That is cool. I kept worrying about Cager's heart condition. I was like, yeah. is that going to – it didn't really come up again. It was like, he's in a large heart, he can't play. But then they're like, yeah, he can play a little. And then he just played. Yeah, they he did. That's like a legit thing that he had. Um, and they put him on for about four minutes at a time. So they wouldn't do it too crazily. Um, because, yeah, like Don didn't want to kill his, kill his student. I wouldn't either. <laughs> like, those are your kids. You can't let them die. Uh. So David Latin was selected by the San Francisco Warriors. Uh, he played for them for a year, played for the Phoenix Suns for a year, played for the Pittsburgh Condors for two years, and then the Memphis Tams for another year. So, yeah, successful NBA career. Yeah. For him. Uh, and this movie, you know, is is part of part of the legacy now. It's pretty cool. Yes, indeed. This was fun. I've gotten, you know, more into into sports dramas like lately. They're they're starting to, you know, I didn't usually care, but now I'm like I've seen, you know, I watched Miracle, I watched Any Given Sunday, this, and I'm like, you know what? I get it. Yeah, these are the only sports dramas I'm gonna pick because these are the only ones I've seen. I don't really <laughs> care about sports, but I like a league of their own and I like Glory Roads. So there you go. <laughs> I, I don't I'm still trying to think about my next pick, but I'm excited for your next pick. 
insert segue here. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get there in a second. First off, I wanna after we weigh the we weighed the evidence. Do you, would you label this real or fake? I would put it as real. It's a majority real, um, especially when compared to like Pocahontas or uh, Three Hundred. <laughs> yeah, the sports ones so far have been consistently real. Which is cool. Like, obviously, it's dramatized, but that's what movies do. It'd be like that. Uh, but it wasn't disgustingly dramatized. Like, there there wasn't like, oh, no, that didn't happen. Like, yeah, it's not like, you know, one of the players like was discouraged and like, I can't play anymore. And then they run off somewhere and they run into like fucking Wilt Chamberlain or something. And he's like, yeah. what's wrong, son? <laughs> like, that didn't happen. Yeah. Or um, Obama travels back in time. Or it's uh, Martin Luther King, even though I think he was dead at this point, um, <laughs> starts to talk to him like, hey, buddy, <laughs> you got this. You got to go be a shining beacon for your community. Like, <laughs> There's a movie uh, we're going to do on this show at some point. It's called Ed Wood. It's about the Edward D. Wood Jr., a filmmaker in the 50s who's considered the worst director of all time. All his Aww. movies were shit, but he was so confident. And he made the movie Plan 9 from Outer Space. You may have heard of it. It's like considered the worst film of all time. It is mm -hmm. terrible. I watched it last month. Um, but there's a scene in the movie where Ed Wood is like, I can't finish this movie. I don't know what I'm doing. And he runs off to a diner and he runs into fucking Orson Welles. <laughs> and Orson Welles is like, oh, I too am having trouble finishing my picture. You just got to stick with it, Ed, you know? And I'm like, fuck this. There's no way this happened. <laughs> a good movie but come on so yeah i hate those moments where it's just out of nowhere but yeah so this movie didn't have that so i label this real as well <laughs> uh, the details may be a touch different but the film's heart's in the right place and i think it remains informative and entertaining at the same time uh, yeah good pick thanks for listening everybody if you like the show feel free to follow us on facebook instagram twitter and letterboxd filmgasm productions and on letterboxd it's connor 95 if you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or you can send us a message through any of our socials. Check out the website, filmgasm.com. We've got uh, reviews, articles, trailers of upcoming films and every episode of our shows. If you want to support the show through Anchor, you can click on support this podcast on your preferred provider. We appreciate it. Don't miss the Russian folk horror film V on Wednesday's Filmgasm. The sword and sorcery bomb Red Sonia on Friday's Beyond the Bad and the swashbuckling epic Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl on Oscar Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, uh, that's still just, that's serendipity. That's that's fantastic. Y'all about to have the best Oscar Sunday episode you've ever had. <laughs> Maybe even the longest. <laughs> Our record's three hours. Oh, uh, we're going to go five hours. Easy. <laughs> uh. Quick reminder that Fake True Stories is not a weekly show, but rather a spontaneous experiment that can drop at any time whenever Isabel and I feel like putting one together. When we do drop that next episode, we'll be stretching our definition of true story with the 1979 horror flick, The Amityville Horror. <laughs> Widely considered the most documented ghost tale in modern history. So, so many people vouch for this thing. It's kind of hard to, it's hard to refute at times. Um, in 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr. picked up a rifle and murdered his entire family. A year later, George and Kathy Lutz and their three children moved into the same house at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, Long Island. Pretty soon, 
they were plagued by apparitions, bizarre smells, strange illnesses, and erratic behavior, culminating in the family leaving the house and never returning. And this is all based on real events. What the hell really happened in that house? We'll try and unravel the truth behind the horror on our next episode. I'm very excited. because this, this opens so many doors into what true story really means. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Uh, in the meantime, go shoot some hoops, and we'll see you next time on Fake True Stories. 